10, our scripture reading coming from the lectionary uh, today, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. And it reads like this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, and into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick, and I was in prison, and you did not look after me. And they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. As we take a look at our passage um, from the Gospel of Matthew this morning, my hope is that each one of us would leave this place today, or if you're at home, um, that each one of us um, would find ourselves challenged and, and spurred on as we seek to, to live our lives as followers of Jesus. Even if we just hear one thing today that might challenge us or encourage us along in our faith journey. Um, taking a look at our scripture, it's undeniable. There's been a consistent theme over the last few weeks in the Gospel of Matthew, and we see it again in today's uh, text. So two weeks ago, we looked at the story of the ten bridesmaids, um, who were waiting for the coming of the bridegroom. This was two weeks ago. There was five of those bridesmaids who, who were wise, five who were foolish. The five who were wise were those who were ready, those who were prepared for the arrival of the bridegroom, as opposed to the other five who, over time, maybe they had become just lackadaisical, but uh, either way, they weren't prepared. And we talked about how we, as people, we prepare for the coming of the Messiah, whenever that might be, that we do so not by discovering a magical formula uh, you know, that will tell us when Christ is going to return, but instead it is by what? It's by welcoming the presence of Christ to dwell inside of us every single day. It is to live our lives with the daily confession, God, make me an instrument of your peace and of your love and of your reconciliation in the world. This is what it looks like to live our lives ready 
prepared for the coming Messiah. Immediately following that parable, Jesus launches into another one um, in Matthew 25. It's a parable about three servants, all entrusted with uh, the master's wealth while the master goes away. And then just like the parable before, there comes a day when the master returns. They don't know exactly when it's going to happen, but the master returns. And two of those servants, he says, what did you do with what I gave you? And two of those servants, they said, hey, look, we doubled what you gave us. We doubled the investment that you gave us. And to each of those two servants, he looks upon them and says, well done. You've been faithful with what I entrusted you in. Awesome. Great. But then there's the third servant. He says, I I did nothing. I was afraid. And so I went and and I hid it. And it's another story about what? Readiness. It's a story about preparation. It's a story uh, that, that at each point, one of us is going to have to answer a question. And that question is, what did you do with what you were given? With your, with, with, with your time? With your opportunities? With your resources? Your gifts? Your friendships? Your life? Your health? What did you do with it all? And our passage for this morning, what it is, it's the culmination of what we've been talking about the last couple weeks. When the Son of Man comes and he's sitting on his throne and all the nations are standing before him, he will separate people like a shepherd would separate sheep from goats. The sheep on his right, the goats on his left. And turning to the sheep, and I'll read it again, he will say this, Come to me, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the, the creation of the world, for I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was a stranger. I I was in need of clothes. I was sick. I was in prison. And you cared for me during those times. And the righteous will answer, when? When did we do those things? When did we see you as a stranger or needing clothes or, or thirsty or hungry or in prison? And the king will reply, what? I truly tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then to the other group on his left, Jesus says the exact opposite. I was sick, naked, imprisoned, hungry, thirsty, lonely, and a stranger, and you did nothing. It's another story that invites us to look inward. To look inward and to ask the question, what are we doing while the master is away? What are we up to while the master is away? How are we living our lives? What are we giving ourselves to? What are we devoting our lives to? One of the first observations I think that we can take from this passage is notice that every single thing that Jesus lists here in our passage, every single thing Jesus says here cannot be done alone. Think about that for a second. Everything Jesus lists here, they all involve other people. They all involve being in community and being in relationship with other people. So for example, notice this, that when Jesus welcomes the sheep, those who are on his right. Jesus does not say, come to me, those who are blessed, for you read your Bible on an average of 45 minutes every single day. You prayed X amount of times every single day. You fasted for this length of time. You graduated with this degree. You attended this many worship services throughout your life. He doesn't say, and it's not to say that those things are not important, that they do not hold value. Obviously, they do. But don't you think it's interesting that in this list, Jesus says nothing about acts of personal piety. Acts of personal devotion. Instead, everything that he talks about, it has to do with 
having a spirit of mercy towards one's neighbor. Prior to COVID, there's usually maybe like a couple times a week I would go inside of Dunkin' Donuts or I'd go inside a Starbucks or another local coffee shop to, to order my iced coffee because it's iced coffee 365 days a year. Uh, you can try to convince me otherwise, but that's, that's how I roll. And, and in my opinion, going inside, it's just not the same as drive through because when I, when I go inside the actual cafe or coffee shop, you know, I get, I get to see people face to face. Um, I get to talk with people. I get to know other customers who go in around the same time that I do. And over the last couple years, I got to know a friend whose name uh, also happens to be Jason. And, and oftentimes, when Jason would come into the coffee shop, uh, he would bring with him a man named Ed. And I got to know Ed as well. Um, Ed was in his 80s. Ed had uh, uh, terminal cancer. He loved telling me about his Roman Catholic church that he attended in Nashua. Um, and he would always ask me about how things were going here at Journey Church. Um, and because of his age and his declining health, um, he couldn't get around that much. And so my friend Jason, who I met at the coffee shop, who, who lives in Londonderry, he would drive all the way to Litchfield, where Ed lived, and he would go get Ed, and he would take Ed back to the coffee shop in Londonderry, or he would take Ed to the post office, or he'd take Ed to doctor's appointments, or he'd help Ed run errands that he obviously couldn't do. And he did this for months. For months, he would go to Litchfield almost every single day and go get Ed, uh, until finally, uh, Ed had to go into assisted living um, because he was under hospice. He was no longer able to visit Ed. This was right when COVID started to kick in, so like assisted living facilities, completely shut down to outside visitors, so he wasn't able to go see him anymore. Um, and the last time I saw Jason, which was just a few weeks back, uh, we, were, we were just catching up, asking about our lives. And, uh, and at one point in our conversation, he says, you know, for a long time, I've, I'm just not so sure about this whole God thing. I'm just not, what, I'm not sure what I think about organized religion, God, faith, any of that. He says, I'm not, it's not that I'm an atheist, I'm just not just not really sure about anything. Um, and I said to Jason, because we were talking about Ed too, um, and I said, Jason, regardless of where you are when it comes to faith, in my opinion, how you cared for Ed in the last months of his life, that was the work of God. That's the exact work of God that we are called to do as people. Because when... I was in my 80s and I had terminal cancer. And my closest family lived down in Maryland. My wife had already deceased years and years ago. You picked me up at my house and took me to go get coffee. You took me to the post office. You took me to Hannaford's. And you loved me and cared for me in the very last season of my life. So I said, Jason, you know, uh, you might not know uh, what you think or what you believe, but I just want to tell you what I see in you and how you cared for Ed. That was the work of Jesus. That was the work of God. And exactly who we're called to be as people. So, um, second, 
Second thing that I notice about this text, that as we reflect on the words of Jesus in this passage, I think that we need to ask this question. Are we as people formed uh, by a spirit of mercy? Are we as people formed by a spirit of mercy? Notice that Jesus, he does not identify what community any of these people belong to that he mentions. Jesus doesn't tell us what community the hungry or the thirsty or the stranger, naked, sick, or those in prison belong to. So we don't know if, what their skin color is. We don't know what their gender is. We don't know what their religious faith is, what nationality they are. We don't know if Jesus is talking about Jews or Gentiles or Romans or Samaritans because in this parable, in this story, those things do not matter. Instead, what does matter is the posture of our heart towards our neighbor, especially the least among us. Jesus does not say, come to me, all who can recite and affirm each line of the Apostles' Creed. That's not what Jesus says here. But are we a people who are formed by a spirit of mercy? Does our heart align with the heart of God? And then third, a very practical and difficult question um, that I think our passage requires us to ask is this. Is, are we a people who are actually among the least of these? Are we a people who are among the least of these? Do we have any interaction with the people that Jesus is talking about in our passage today? Or maybe another way to think about it, because if Jesus identifies with the hungry, thirsty, naked, lonely, imprisoned, and the widow, are we in the places where Jesus already is? Hopefully those questions are uncomfortable for you as they are for me. Because I think there are questions that we need to ask of ourselves in response to this passage. The last Sunday uh, before Advent, which is today, and I just want that, just let that sink in for a second. Isn't that bonkers? Next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent. Christmas is going to be here before you know it. And that's wild, to, at least for me, to think about that. But anyways, so the, the last Sunday before the beginning of Advent, so again, that's today, is uh, across the world, across uh, all of Christendom, it's referred to as Christ the King Sunday. And what it is, it's a time for believers all over the world, um, regardless of, of your, the country you live in, the ruling government that you are under, to affirm the kingship and the lordship of, of Jesus Christ. That we do not... Uh, worship a king who rules with nuclear warheads. We don't worship a king who exploits other people for personal gain. We don't worship a king who rules with an iron fist. Instead, our, as our passage tells us, we, we, we worship one who is closest to the least. And there's a poem I want to close my, the, the sermon with today. And it's by a man named Malcolm Guit. Uh, Guit spelled G-U-I-T-E. And, and he wrote a, I guess you could call it like a sonnet, and it's called Christ the King. And it's based on our passage for today from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. And I'll read, I'll read it to you. Our king is calling from the hungry furrows while we are cruising through the aisles of plenty. 
Our hoardings screen us from the man of sorrows. Our soundtracks drown out his murmur, I am thirsty. He stands in line to sign in as a stranger and seek a welcome from the world that he made. We see him only as a threat, a danger. He asks for clothes. We strip search him instead. And if he should fall sick, then we take care that he does not infect our private health. We lock him in the prisons of our fear, lest he unlock the prison of our wealth. But still on Sunday, we shall stand and sing the praises of our hidden Lord and King. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we have heard your word today. Help us to be a people who are among the least. I pray um, that we would hear and reflect on this passage with fresh ears um, and with a fresh mind and heart today. And that we would allow the words from the scripture to challenge us, to convict us, um, but ultimately, God, to spur us on to be the people that you are calling us to be. To live the lives that you are uh, calling us to live. And so help us, Jesus, because the temptation um, that each one of us will find ourselves facing is to keep ourselves, uh, to, to, to put our own needs first, and to stay as far away as we can from the least, lest they uh, impact our comfort and wealth and what we have. Jesus, change us. Work in us. Um, and again, God, help us to be uh, faithful followers of Jesus. We pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior. Amen.